Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. And we're back for another episode of In the Landscape. Thank you for joining us on this lovely day, whichever day it is for you when you hear this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording it on a Monday afternoon because I was going to say this nice sunny afternoon, but everyone's circumstances are different by the time they hear us. So it's just fun. It's just, I think in terms, I guess, of climate and landscape and Maybe many of our listeners do too, where it's, you know, we're so attuned to what's going on outside mm-hmm. that it creeps its way into <laughs> my speech at pretty much all the time. We're having these lovely, crisp, cool days set in. I'm not like I can say cold because <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> I spend time in the Northeast, um, so I know better. But yeah, cool day down into the 50s Fahrenheit here, which is very nice for Texas you can feel in the, September. The seasonal changes, yeah. the wind is really picking up. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I do love the hot weather. Like, I don't want it to be cold too long, but it's nice to have that reset button, that sort of mm-hmm. like dormant period that we that we get into in winter, whenever that season happens in your hemisphere. So great. Or maybe not at all if you're in the tropics. That's right. You really <laughs> there's periods where it rains more than others. <laughs> it's funny. I I follow uh a page on Facebook that has funny ecological memes and there. So one set of, of memes are relevant to people in a certain part of the world, Northern hemisphere. And then, and then the folks down in the Southern hemisphere are posting these competing memes <laughs> for which season it is. So right, yeah, frogs and cranberries and all sorts of fun stuff. So. <laughs> all right. What else? Let's see. So you've gotten a chance to get out and be busy during some of your downtime, a lot of design projects still going on, uh, work up in New York, Connecticut, and here in Texas, which mm-hmm. is great because it sort of keeps things fresh as you're, as you're understanding the different growing conditions and things like that. And, and working with different contractors, that's, I keep learning. I always ask a lot of questions. Here's what we're going for. Like I met with someone the other day and they were saying, grass stops growing in Houston about the middle of October. So mm-hmm like lawn mowing stops. We'd say plants are not, even though the winter for many plants would be a good time to plant in Houston, the nursery somewhat closed down. Mm. So the inventory peters at the wholesale inventory, even though it would be a good time to plant trees and shrubs, it's the subtropics. So some plants are not frost hardy. So if you planted something in October, November, and there was a frost over the winter, it might die. So people are cautious. So some of it, is practical. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in the Northeast, we might plant in the fall, knowing that the plants were just going to go essentially to sleep, but they would right. be hardy enough to survive. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting distinction. So yeah, a lot of that, but then you're getting out quite a bit with our son to some of the local area parks, which is a lot of fun. I'm home riding, <laughs> which is less fun, but I'm making progress. So that is my season of life right now. So, so you know, our lives have seasons too. And that's where I am. So any any new park adventures to share? Let's see. The latest property I went to was part of Herman Park, which is very large. And it's there's a zoo that's associated with it, a Japanese garden. Oh, okay. So you had been to one area of this park before. Right. Yes. And this okay. is there's like a garden within the park that we spent time in, which I had fellow horticulturalist landscape people have posted beautiful pictures. So it's the McGovern Centennial Gardens. And there's this 
like earth art mound, uh, this panoramic mountain that's a spiral. That's like a key feature. So it's a long, it's a formal garden. You enter through a pavilion. There's Which display if you know, gardens. If you know anything about the Houston area, it is flat. Right. I think the joke is they call <laughs> overpasses hills or something. Right, it's like so, the tallest. So having this structure oh. actually creates a really interesting topography in an area that, you know, I mean, it's just sort of like a floodplain heading out to the Gulf. So mm-hmm. that's actually kind of a neat feature. You're right. You see that earthworks, which we've seen in some of our local parks as well, like building in this topography to kind of liven it up, which, you know, it isn't all about the plants. And that's actually going to kind of um, hint at our topic today, because mm-hmm. um, we're thinking about like what takes primacy as we're thinking mm-hmm. through our design. Yeah, good point. Well, that makes me think of Japanese garden. When you read some of the historic Japanese garden literature, the how-to, even some of them are illustrations and diagrams from mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a pond and a hill garden, I think, is, is the description. So you dig a pond, you have a lot of soil, and you make a hill. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's more nuanced and sophisticated <laughs> than that. But that's practical. But that's, so in Houston, that's also done. There's always water. And there's torrential rains, so you have to account for the water. Mm -hmm. And so digging areas for the water to go, and then there's soil to do this earth art, which makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. There was an edible garden. It's called the family garden that was part of that. There were espalier fruit trees. There were large citrus trees in in containers. Mm. It was very well done. There's a rose garden. There's an arid garden. It was neat to see people were spending time wherever there was shade. Mm -hmm. So some of these areas, I guess they'd be enjoyable when it's cooler. And people definitely gravitated toward the shade. You know, I'm thinking because I saw the aerial view of it. It reminds me there's this long kind of open area that's a lot like like European gardens or something. Mm -hmm. It's just that the climate here is so hot that it's like you're doing it for stylistic effect to kind of create that impression. But it isn't the kind of garden that would be most, I think, organic here. Just because, again, as you said, we're like, <laughs> if you've ever passed like a field of livestock and the cows are all huddled under one tree, right. I mean... <laughs> we're the same. We're no gets, different. It gets that hot. So it's sort of appropriate to, especially if you're mapping out your own, own gardens here or thinking of, of designing parks, to think about how people are going to be most comfortable in addition to whatever sort of the aesthetic vision is. Right. You know, the part that I got very excited about was the parking lot, <laughs> which I told you about. Yes. So the, I mean, there are great parking lots. So it's when every element is considered, mm. then everything gets, I mean, the parking lot shouldn't be the focal point Mm-mm. of a design, but it should not be an afterthought either. Cause that's the sense of arrival. That's your, what's how you, your first experience. Mm-hmm if you're traveling by car is, or even a bus, you're going to get off of a bus in a parking lot usually. Mm-hmm. So this parking lot, I have imagined parking lots like this for Houston. And this is the first one I've seen. <laughs> so the, when you're out in the hill country or rural area, you see the, the honey mesquite tree. That's imagine a giant tumbleweed. So it's multiple branches. Yeah. I think of it as kind of bushy. Somehow. Very bushy, yeah. shrubby. Yeah. Tough. Very, very tough. tough, tough, tough as nails. <laughs> uh, Texas tough. Yeah. So there were long banks of cars. Mm-hmm. And then between these rows, there were gravel beds. People, they use decomposed granite a lot as a, as a mulch. And the honey mesquite was the shade. Mm. And it was in heaven. It looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then sort of the end caps 
were sycamores that were taller and leafier. They were dramatic as you came into the parking mm-hmm. lot. And then there was a central aisle that you'd walk. The cars are parked horizontally, mm-hmm. rows, and you're walking through the center of that. So oh, it was safe. Yeah. And there was a type of an oak. It was quite a beautiful experience. It was shady. It wasn't too hot. And lots of texture and color. Yeah, and as you say, it's almost like then the parking lot is a part of the greater experience. It's not, mm-hmm. and I think they've done, well, they reimagined parking at places like the Grand Canyon, oh, as I understand I was it. just studying that because we've talked about doing a trip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> would be nice. And there's a plant which is used, people like creosote is used mm-hmm. to preserve. Yeah, sure. So a creosote bush is in that landscape. Oh, wow. Where it's, okay. One neat tidbit about that, it opens it transpires just in the morning. Mm. So it, it only is photosynthesizing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if it's in a naturally occurring landscape, it's facing, I guess, southeast. It's oriented that way, like like a sundial or, oh, sure. or, or, or a, a sunflower. A sunflower. Yeah. And then after that, it shuts down because it's oh. in these very hot mm-hmm. Arizona-y desert conditions. Yeah, very cool. So today's episode is actually, it's a little bit of a back to basics. We haven't done one of these in a while. And the idea is just to be thinking through whether it's pruning or the care of plants, the planting of them or the design is to think like, what is the, what's the most fundamental step in our process, in our thinking process? And so sometimes we're talking about almost like the result of this type of thinking But it's good to address it and to say, like, what's the foundation for where we're going when we're thinking about a parking lot with mesquite and sycamore and what a great experience that is. What was your conception for this episode? Well, like the word hierarchy, we've talked about Mm -hmm. that. So that's, I think, a great word, principle. You always say the most noble, too. That's a term you use a lot. That one Syracuse, an architect that was one of my professors. Ted at Syracuse. He, that was his favorite. It's really pressing you to make a decision. Mm. So you have you have two paths that are going to meet. One is often more noble. Mm-hmm. So one you're going to have, let's say, cars on it. One is for people, mm-hmm. or it's making you choose because things are are rarely balanced. It's really it's mm-hmm. rarely fifty fifty. Sure, sure. Okay, that makes sense. So like in this parking lot, what was the most noble? I mean, they actually made it. The people pathway that cut through it, mm-hmm. that's really what was emphasized. They had mm-hmm. a, a separate species, a certain kind of oak line that was like very, it was rustic, but it was mm-hmm. somewhat formal. And where the cars parked were these, I mean, somewhat nondescript mesquite trees mm-hmm. that provided, they have tiny, tiny leaves. Mm-hmm. So it's this sort of gauzy, you know, shady, it was pleasant. But th- what was the most noble there was actually the pedestrian walkway. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I actually get really stressed out in parking lots. They're so big. They're so hot. There's so many cars. There's people. There's, you know, I just, the thought, <laughs> the thought of a big parking lot. Yeah, it stresses me out. So the thought of like the way you're describing this parking lot is very like, oh, I could see going, you know, you know, you pull off the freeway, you get into town and, and this is where you pull in. It sounds great. It was pretty full, but I'm more or less headed right to the back, mm-hmm. like right to the where it was less populated, we found a parking spot right away. Well, that's the other thing is I think if you feel safe walking and there is shade, so it's not just this giant heat, you know, mirage. (laughs) 
the wave, heat waves coming up. <laughs> then the prospect of parking a little farther and walking into the park is less daunting. I mean, it's just, it, it's little things like that that make a big difference. So this idea of hierarchy or what's the most noble is really, I mean, pretty much from the perspective, I guess I would say from the person and then the plants, especially for our design, that you're really thinking of the, I don't know, in, in, um, computer design or whatever they call it, user experience. And Mm -hmm. so it's that putting yourself, you said this in one episode recently when I said, well, what would your design choice be? And you're like, well, it really depends on the client. I'm like, yeah, good answer. That ability to kind of imagine how someone else is going to experience it. Right. Asking them lots of pointed questions. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, being sort of tough on them, you know, because they'll say, oh, we, we trust, some people say, oh, we trust you to make it look pretty. It's not that simple. Or other people, the other extreme where they have very set ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, I want it to look this way. I want this plant. I want this here. Well, what's interesting is I'm not sure that like, I mean, I think part of the design process then is having somebody with knowledge to bounce that conversation off of. Because it's not as easy for me with my limited knowledge to do the interrogation of my own conception of what should be there. And so I run out and like buy some stuff. And then I'm like, <laughs> and I put it in place and it doesn't quite go. Right. right? Yeah, so that going through a fine filter, like we said before, like design yeah, is, sure. is a fine filter, but not getting too fine too quickly. Yeah. So it's not just, well, then it's, I guess, iterative would be the right word mm-hmm. that like, so this idea of hierarchy is something does have to come first. Maybe it's the Japanese maple that you want to preserve because you, you told us about that one design where there's like, Stairs were moved so that the oh, Japanese right. maple could stay. It was a Frank Lloyd Wright yeah. in um, Westchester County. There's a Frank Lloyd Wright planned community called Usonia. Mm-hmm. I think there's about a dozen homes. He designed, I think, three of them. Mm. And then his disciples or his students you know, did the other ones. Mm. So how do you determine the hierarchy? You know, I want to read the, the definition. There was a good sure. one from the Oxford Learning Dictionary about hierarchy. I'll sort of paraphrase because it's, it's talking about a relationship to people, but a system in which elements are organized into different levels of importance from highest to lowest. So determining, I mean, sort of scrutinizing what is the most important element. And is that based on a person's, so again, we're trying to sort of privilege the, the client's wishes. Are there things that might take like take that the place in terms of hierarchy and design that you'd be aware of as a designer that right. they wouldn't? Well, like a good case study is a project that we're working on in the Northeast that's coastal. So there's mm. there could be flooding with a hurricane. It's very close to the ocean. It's very hot, right? So knowing the environmental conditions, knowing a little bit of human psychology. So here, it's probably about a three-story, you know, quite a large Dutch colonial, I probably style so a big boxy house in very handsome mm. architecture. Mm. The proper the lots are not that big, mm-hmm. but quite a big house on a small property. It was overgrown, so the new owners they more or less removed the overgrown landscape. It was like very weedy, neglected. So it needs all these elements shade because it's untenably hot in the summer, which is mm-hmm. baking hot. There's no trees <laughs> since it's coastal. The trees don't get that tall. Oh yeah, that's true. So the street trees. They get maybe as tall as the houses, but not quite. There's not shade over the houses. I see. And then this this property lost the trees because they were derelict, overgrown. 
So the first hierarchy was was shade. Mm-hmm. And there's big, beautiful porches and decks, which is part of a sort of summer beachy house. And in the Northeast, you often, the first floor is often elevated. So particularly with this, you know, large scale home, you step up probably about six or eight steps. Well, especially if there's potential for flooding. Right. Yeah. So you're off the ground mm-hmm. and you're looking out. You know, there's path people walking by. There's fences. So privacy screening is important. Mm. So shade, privacy screening, it should be interesting. These are more or less elements which plants can do all, you know, trees are more or less going to fulfill these roles. Mm -hmm. Now, there could be pergolas or lattice or fencing. That's actually part of the design too. And that's sometimes an option. If you're on a porch, the sides of the porch, I love having a lattice uh, structure or screen. So then you have instant privacy. You can still see out, but it gives you a little privacy. Do you tend to plant against those or do you leave them sort of just the architecture of the lattice? Uh, in this case, probably just the architecture of the lattice, mm-hmm. but there could be a tree in front of it. Mm-hmm. We selected a crepe myrtle as one of the key plants. As you're sitting on the porch and you're looking out toward the ocean, so you can, you can glimpse the ocean, and we selected a red crepe myrtle. So it's a summer flowering. It loves hot, baking you know, temperatures, mm-hmm. and it's blindingly bright you know a lot of these homes are white it's like you know coastal like a new england type feel so a lighter color would get washed out i see and so there's the neighbor's fence is quite tall but imagine a beautiful red crepe myrtle above the fence and the Mm -hmm. white background with american flag fluttering it's gorgeous so that was part of so that plant is really for interest Mm -hmm. and then are the interest plants do those tend to I almost think like, and this, this kind of comes from our one screening episode, that interest plants can almost be overdone. It's uh, like you lose your hierarchy if there's only one, like, you know, monarch, right? <laughs> like you, uh, it wouldn't be a monarch if you had multiples, you know, in the same country. So it's by virtue of the uniqueness that you establish hierarchy in some ways. Good point. Like that something being rare. Like what is luxury? It's mm. something that's rare. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like precious metal or it's a and handmade. You're focusing attention and, right. and signifying a hierarchy by saying like, we're only going to use one of these really special plants. That's a really good point. We could have circled the whole property with crepe myrtle and then it would look very calm. <laughs> it, was, it would look like a hedge. Right. Like a cherry on a Sunday. that red maraschino cherry. I mean, just mm. one, it's very dramatic. That's like with this crepe myrtle mm. and there's going to be Plants for structure, holly trees, one of my favorites, hawthorn trees are going to flank the front walk. Mm-hmm. So most of the year, those are going to be green. They're not going to be very showy, but it'll be the right height. It won't get too tall. It's very horizontal, so it'll be perfect screening from the street. People, it's like pedestrian friendly. People are walking by the house. You have something green between you and the visitors. Mm-hmm. It is interesting how much. If you're ever walking in a neighborhood and you happen upon a garden that you really like, like what a pleasure other people's gardens can be, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And sometimes it is the, the nice hedging. Like you might not, you might only catch a glimpse as you go past the gate or something. But there, you know, this, this tending, this signs of caring for homes and gardens is, it is a treat for everyone in the neighborhood. So that, that's nice to, to think of it in those terms. 
So we sometimes establish hierarchy through things being unique. And then sometimes hierarchy is functional, like what needs to go in first in order to satisfy the program. Are there any other, like, it's funny because I tutor math. And so we always talk about the order of operations and Mm -hmm. you literally can only answer a question correctly if you do it this way. Are there any other things kind of functionally you need to think about first? Well, horticulturally, so this property, it could flood. Mm -hmm. It has flooded with Mm -hmm. hurricanes. So that was, we looked for plants. We said, are there plants that can fulfill these goals, like Mm -hmm. seasonal interest, screening, privacy, shade, that are salt tolerant? Yeah. And so we found some that were. Well, and we're always suggesting that as a first step in the inventory. So if if you've taken any of our classes or listened to some of the early design podcast episodes, it really is... The planting conditions come first in this design practice. Like right. if, if you're in landscape design, you've got to think about the plants. It's just, that's your your medium, your material. So Right. I think if um, the plants come first, if they succeed, then the design succeeds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go the other way around, no. unfortunately. Yeah. We're often called in as a horticultural consultant when the design came first mm-hmm. and the plants were... They're not the right plant, or they weren't cared for, they weren't planted right. So sometimes it's it's not the plants are not as glamorous as your craziest desires or wishes might be, mm-hmm. but it's going to succeed. Well, so then I mean, it'll be beautiful as opposed to something that's theoretical, where it's yeah. theoretically this would be better, but it would never work. Right. I mean, the same is true as like parents of a toddler, <laughs> like buying furniture. So yeah, I mean, plants are particularly because they're living organisms, particularly, this is particularly true of them. But in any design, really, like you had, we had to go with a couch that was going to be like, easily cleaned and functional and hide the dirt. And is it the most glamorous couch I could have? No. (laughs) (laughs) But should I have a glamorous couch? No. Also, no. My green velvet couch is going to have to wait. (laughs) Emerald green I can envision it, but it's definitely not reality at this point. So, well, Dana goes to college, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. But oh, we do have cocker spaniels, so their their hair is good on those. Right, they don't but, shed. Yeah. So having so this property, we did picking and choosing carefully because mm-hmm. it particularly the smaller the property, the more each plant has to really be the right plant. Well, and they all have to survive winter because this is the northeast you're talking about, as right? Well. So, so it's a harsh. There's like salt spray. There's could be flooding from the ocean. Yeah, it's so going to get very cold. The, the plants will lose their leaves. The beach is so restorative to us as humans. But if you really look around, there's not a ton of vegetation. So it does, it does seem... So then thinking not everything is as thrilled to be there as we are. Right. <laughs> like we visit and we go back inside that. Well, that's true. Yeah. But if you've ever had a beach day, I mean, it's some of the most exhausting time, like wonderfully so, but you're like sun and salt and wind. And then you're like, oh, everybody falls asleep on the way home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So with these plants, you know, they went through a fine filter and there are like in the back, there's a, a type of a, of an Asian dogwood, a, Cornelian cherry, mm-hmm. that's a type of a dogwood that blooms like in February. So everything else is snowy. And mm. so that'll be, now that could have been another crepe myrtle in the back, but right near the back porch, they're looking out their kitchen, mm-hmm. there's a back deck. What a wonderful thrilling, to, you know, in February, mm-hmm. it's a high visibility. You see it from inside to the garage. So time, you know, we've talked about time a lot on this podcast just because it makes so much sense with, with regard to the landscape, but there is 
you know, there's a hierarchy in terms of time as well. Like, when will you be there? Mm-hmm. Which season is the most important to you? We don't live in the Northeast now, but when we did, fall color was by far... Well, you introduced a lot of hydrangeas, which made me appreciate summer <laughs> even more. Mm-hmm. But, but that fall color, it's like I would do anything to have that, you know, sugar maples on my property if I could. Oh, right. You know, because it's so gorgeous that there's just this hierarchy of almost intensity to the different seasons. When it's a four distinct seasons, they're quite, there's a high level of intensity. Yes. And I think that's almost missing as I understand it down here in Texas, but I did not get out for bluebell season. And I know, you know, Uh like there's a reason that certain things attract tourists and things like that. So that intensity, when it occurs in your landscape, I'm sure whether you've cultivated or not, that presents a really rich experience of hierarchy, like just how Mm -hmm. important like that time and that plant happens to be. Right. And so on the the side of the house, Remember, that was a challenge because it's sort of a tight, the tightest part of the property. So there's a neighbor, there's a tall fence. So shade on this, it's on the south side of the house. So the sun's like directly overhead. So Mm -hmm. the tree doesn't really shade the house unless it's an enormous tree. So there's a certain kind of an oak, a burr oak that is like salt tolerant, Mm -hmm. grows pretty fast. It's a native. So the animals, birds and insects will love it. Mm -hmm. Now that, it was a little hard to find it though. Mm -hmm. We defined we started with a smaller tree, so it's doing the right thing using a native. It takes extra work. The contractor, he may have had to go to multiple nurseries. Some of these, I don't know that he found them all at one nursery. Mm-hmm. So selling it to the client, these clients happen to be very nice to work with, very trusting, and we do great work. I mean, so there's a reason that they're trusting us, but someone might look at it and say, this is this scraggly native oak because it's... It's a young tree. I mean, it's, still, mm-hmm. it's still probably 18 feet tall, but it's not 15. It hasn't filled out. It hasn't filled out yet. <laughs> so you think, oh, we're paying all this money to this sort of scraggly, rangy looking tree. But given 10 years, it's going to be this amazing shade mm. that's going to shade the whole side of the house. And nice. it'll make it make the house cooler. There'll be this privacy. Mm-hmm. You can sit underneath it. So it's sometimes it's the educational process mm-hmm. explaining the hierarchy which might be different than the client's hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But you'll say, I think this will really pay dividends and here's, yeah. here's why. Well, it's also, I mean, we've always said the design should be intentional. And again, some of what, <laughs> I'm going to sound really silly. I'm very excited for Halloween because we live close to my sister and her teenage, well, uh, my nephew's a little younger. Like but tweens, like, right? Yeah, some tween, of them tween and teen nieces and nephew. And so it's going to be kind of a strange holiday because I don't think people will be do, doing trick-or-treating, but we're going to host. It should be nice enough. It might rain, but we'll try to host in our backyard. And so I'm, I'm planning, I'm like plotting the Halloween decorations and, you know, if we'll have activities, we can socially distance, whatever. It's really tempting to just kind of like buy things off the shelf, like to say, oh, this looks good. So I'll get this and then I'll match it to some other things. And then mm-hmm. it really is like the, we've said the word before, like the intentionality is lost. Like there's no mm-hmm. plan. So I'm not making these purchases to kind of fulfill the, the program or the plan or the design. And then it's really like, so what is the hierarchy? <laughs> In my case, I want to have a place where we can take photos of our costumes. I'm like, well, we're going to have to get the hay bales for that. And it, it's just like, it really helps 
It helps budget. It helps streamline. It helps plan to say what, to, to rank things, to say, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things we want to be sort of like, like equal in the world. But when it comes to making these design choices, there just is going to have to be something that comes first. Right. And like with this client process, <clears throat> I walk them through and I'd often say, here's what I think. Here's my, here's my best suggestion. Mm-hmm. I think this tree in the back, these two below trees, it's going to be a green screen. It'll attract birds. They're not going to get too big. They're adapted mm-hmm. to this climate. They'll grow in sandy coastal soil. And then based on their feedback, they might say, oh, really? So it's just going to be green? You know, like their reaction was, sounds great. We're going to have mm-hmm. roses. We're going to on a trellis and, and planters. So there'll be lots of flowers. Mm-hmm. But so if someone's reaction was like, oh, it's kind of boring, just a green tree. Then in your back pocket, you'd say, oh, well, there's a, a southern magnolia. That has these beautiful, romantic big blossoms in the summer, that'd be another choice. Or so having during a client meeting, having a backup plan, mm-hmm. always having alternatives. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good idea. Because people often surprised you. They're like, oh, you know, that brings back like the lilac brings back a bad memory or a mm-hmm. good memory. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. And so I think a lilac was a request. So we worked that in. It's mm-hmm. fragrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is reading people too, because there is that sometimes you get it's almost like somebody's reaction. Because in a way, if you if you are the designer, if you're listening to this and you're a designer, there's always, some people are very assertive. They'll tell you they like it or they don't like it. But I mean, they've come to you as a professional. So there can be that, you know, they're willing to trust you, but they're really like, they really don't want whatever you've just suggested. Oh, right. So being <laughs> sensitive to the like, you know, hesitance is important because then you can really talk like, well, you know, would you like me to show you some alternatives or that kind of thing? Yeah, it takes yes. being diplomatic. Yeah. Well, there's a story with one of our favorite designers, Ellen Shipman, that worked all over the U.S. in the first half of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So the clients were the Stearns in New Orleans. And so Ellen Shipman, her was the training was classical, was classical training, whether you'd have Greco-Roman structures and statuary and mm-hmm. boxwood hedges mm-hmm. and as I understand, she'd specify a lot of statues of representational of a Cupid or, mm. and so the Stearns were not, they did not like s- statuary. Mm. So, and they had a big staff. So when Ellen Shipman would visit, she'd visit definitely once a year. And then when it was developing very regularly to inspect the work, so the statues would all be out in the garden. And then when she would leave, they would take them down. I mean, these are like big oh stone gosh. statues. And they put the stone statues in a, in a like a shed <laughs> oh my goodness. because the clients they loved her and they she did great work and it was you know many the projects were many years very intense mm-hmm. you know large scale landscape architecture and they didn't want to disappoint her i guess mm-hmm. or i mean so yeah the sterns were you know like it was like the sears roebuck heiress i mean very powerful wealthy american family <laughs> but, they, but they didn't have the heart to tell her we don't like statues that's pretty funny <laughs> All right, well, we're getting close to the end of this episode. Was there anything else you wanted to share about this project or the concept of hierarchy for those who are listening, maybe thinking of taking on their own design or advancing their own practice? Well, the hierarchy, like on this particular project, we implemented like mostly trees and shrubs. Mm -hmm. So there's other that will come later, but the hierarchy was really for some interest. Mm -hmm. So you plant one crepe myrtle, you get a lot of impact. If you're planting, let's say, roses, 
you have to plant a lot of roses to have the same impact as one tree. Mm-hmm. So things are done in phases. And so that's always a good challenge. You know, imagining, well, you're going to do privacy hedges. It's going to be evergreen. That's important. Mm-hmm. And putting in the bigger trees, that's important. So there's really like a hierarchy of implementation too. And there's no conflict. So there's like, there's machinery doing this work. When the trees are done, we probably won't need to have machinery again. So oh, yeah. that also works. You don't want to have machines going back and forth when there's big trees that can be damaged, mm-hmm. but really do like go from the large to the small. Well, it's interesting too, because plants will establish their own hierarchies in the landscape. Like you will, mm-hmm. like a tree will tell you ultimately whether you can plant underneath it or not. So it is important, I guess, to kind of learn the plant hierarchies and, and their behaviors as they're growing. So and we talked to like multiple contractors for this project and, you know, quiz them that work mm-hmm. on in this coastal setting more than I do. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you know, this hedge is probably going to get shaded out. It would survive a hurricane, but mm-hmm. it's not going to look great mm-hmm. because of it's too sh- going to be too shady. Right. And this other hedge, we might have to replace some of it if there's a hurricane, but mm-hmm. it's going to look great. Even as the trees mature, It'll you'll still have a full hedge. Yeah. So there's always a hierarchy of knowledge. Who knows what <laughs> for which landscape? And, and if right. you can acknowledge that, then you can learn from them. I mean, that's... They really collaborate. Good to be humble and acknowledge that. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Well... And that was all basically one big principle for the entire episode. Was there anything else to share? Well, let's see. With the hierarchy, it can change too. Like the program can change, you know, as, mm-hmm. as you live in the landscape. Yeah. So maybe having a play structure, maybe that is very important. It's a set place for the, where it's safe for the kids. And then as kids grow up, maybe that's no longer the hierarchy. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a place to have a glass of wine or iced tea and, uh, and, and relax at the end of the day. Maybe that that play structure, you know, gets retired. <laughs> yeah, so flexibility and, and awareness, just being present in your landscape and mindful of how it's working and, and if anything needs to change. So anyway, we look forward to being back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions, comments, corrections, you can certainly send them to us. There's information at the, at the close of the show for how to get in touch with us. We really enjoy putting out this content every week. Totally love uh, listener feedback, especially. That's such a delight. So please feel free to reach out to us. And we hope you get a chance to enjoy your landscape sometime soon. Thank you. Till then. Bye-bye. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. We travel all over North America giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details. And also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.